1: Hi guys and welcome back to another new episode of Couch Talks. My name is Kat and If you are new and you are like, what is Couch Talks? I thought this was You Need Therapy. Couch Talks is the bonus episode that comes out every single Wednesday where I answer questions that you guys email in to me at katherine at com. And as always, a little disclaimer that this podcast is not therapy. This is just time where a therapist is talking about things that you guys might want to (laughs) hear. and actually I always sit in my car before I go to work or after usually it's before I go into my office and talk about the podcast and the episodes on Monday and sometimes I just ramble about anything and uh, I think it was yesterday which was Monday Houston who edits this podcast thank you Houston shout out to Houston messaged me and was like you should do a bonus bonus episode of the podcast called car talks um, where you sit in your car and just record yourself on Instagram and you know what I'm going to start doing it, not regularly, just whenever I feel like it, because I don't need any extra pressure for content to be put out in the world, but stay tuned for the bonus bonus episode. If you don't follow me, speaking of on Instagram, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just have to be a part of car talks, you can follow me on Instagram at, at cat.defada. And while you're at it, you can follow the um, podcast Instagram at Podcast. And speaking of, before we get into the questions, I just wanted to ask for a little favor for y'all. And if you have not yet, rated the podcast. I would deeply deeply appreciate you doing this. Um if you go to Apple Podcasts and scroll to the bottom and rate it, hopefully you would want to give us 5 stars, but I'm also open to feedback. And if you also feel like you have an extra 30 seconds if you wanted to write a comment and and let me know and let people know what you love about this podcast, please go for it. I would so appreciate that. That means a lot to us over here. It is a big deal for us. And then if you guys do have feedback, that's more on the constructive side. I also want to hear that. I don't want to just hear you guys praising me. I, I also want to make sure that this podcast is evolving and becoming what you guys need over time. You can always email me feedback as well at Catherine at You Need Therapy Podcast. So I just appreciate hearing from you guys because I don't see you guys and I don't get to talk to you, but it sometimes feels like I'm talking to you, but I don't get to hear back. So that would just be nice and fun and I would appreciate it. Now, let's get into today. Today's questions. We got two like normal and also like normal, we're going to keep them anonymous and uh, let's jump into it. So the first question is, recently I had something happen in my life that I'm not sure how many other people can relate to, but it has brought up some interesting emotions. My mom's biological father did not raise her. They had met before, but it had been 25 years ago and I'm 23. I'd never met the man and really hadn't thought about him much at all until he unexpectedly died a few weeks ago. Though I probably would never have met him if he'd lived many more years, it was very strange to realize I will now never have that opportunity. This really consumed my thoughts for a couple weeks, and I just sort of wondered about some healthy ways to grieve something you've never had or grieve an opportunity you'll never have. Okay, so I want to start off saying... I bet a lot more people can relate to this than you think, even if it's a little different context. I think a lot of us have probably had an experience where we have had the opportunity, maybe we didn't take it, to grieve something like a, something that we never had and grieve something that will never be. It happens more often than, than you think. So I do appreciate this question because it's probably gonna be very helpful to a lot of people to want hear some feedback and also just know they're not alone. And I will say you're probably grieving more things than you even realize. This is one of those things where it's like, well, I've never met him. So I shouldn't care or nothing is different in my life. It hasn't changed anything or it's always been this way. So it's not that big of a deal and it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's like one of those kind of things where we come up with all these thoughts in our heads that kind of push us away from leaning into some grief. And I, I do like that you're definitely grabbing onto the idea that you are grieving not the relationship that you had, but the relationship that you will never have the opportunity to have now. It's complex and it's really easier to push these kinds of things aside, but I feel it's important to pay attention to these things because it may bring up other stuff that is completely unrelated, but the feelings are similar. So like the emotions that you're sitting in are similar. And what we do a lot of times is we attach like experiences to emotions. So the next time we have an emotion, it pulls up that old experience. And if we learn to just brush things off, because for example, I've never known any different one of those things that we make up, it shouldn't be that big of a deal, then that can create patterns of using the same framework in different areas of your life when you have the same feelings. So you might not be distraught and you might not spend hours crying over this hysterically. It may be a different kind of grief that comes up in the form of questions or what ifs or random scenarios you make up in your head and my encouragement, you asked for some healthy ways to grieve this stuff. My encouragement to you is pay attention to it. That's really it and and write things down. And when you have the opportunity, speak, talk about these things with healthy people. And I think there's power in getting stuff out of our head and into words and onto paper or in conversations. This is more about just acknowledgement of feelings than any radical change. You know, there's the whole stages of grief some of us are familiar with that some of us aren't I will say the stages of grief were developed to help people learn how to process their income to terms with their own death but it's been kind of like used in all kinds of grief areas and they added a stage of grief that I think is one of the most important and I don't actually think you can you know order them as an importance but this one is very important to me and it's the meaning making stage so we are meaning making people and we do it all the time and a lot of times our meaning making ends up being like harmful or hurtful or unkind but i think in in any area of our life where we're feeling some grief it is really important and very helpful and very healing to when the time feels right to create some meaning out of whatever we're grieving and It can be anything. And like I said, it doesn't have to be radical meaning. It can be anything. There can be any kind of purpose. And it's not silver lining it. It's creating meaning. Those are different things. And so that might be something that you process of, okay, what is the meaning that I'm gonna grab from this? What am I gonna take from this? And that's a really great way to find some healing in our grief. So not big, crazy things, but really simple things that I think sometimes we overlook because they're so simple, is pay attention to it, write it down, speak it, process it, just really be in it until it doesn't consume you anymore. So thank you for that question. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code need at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off and let them know that we sent you you need therapy after you check out. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
0: Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like, literally. Columbia PFG has you covered with their castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish, not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to columbia.com slash PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear.
1: Now, second question. I'm somebody who is extremely empathetic. I work with at-risk youth and their families, so usually I'm good at leaving work at work and drawing lines to maintain a healthy balance. However, as stress in my personal life has increased, I can feel my empathy starting to overwhelm me. Between things with my friends, family, and work, it's really starting to weigh down on me. What has helped you combat that throughout your life and career? Ah, okay. Also so good, which I say this to all the questions, but so good I actually get this kind of question all the time from so many different people whether it's my friends family whether it's just people I meet that ask what I do there's always that essence of I don't know how you do your job or how do you not take on so many people's emotions or how do you have boundaries and not just want to like save everybody and gosh I can't imagine what you do and like I get the sentiment behind that and I don't think people are being trying to be rude or anything when they say that at the same time that can be very overwhelming (laughs) because I don't don't see my job as a burden and to be quite honest for me it's really not that hard to combat this idea of like letting your empathy take over you usually I will say at the the beginning of my career when I first started and then this past year has been the most challenging because well this past year it's kind of obvious things mental health is just you know declined dramatically. Before I get into anything, I will say what helped me in the beginning of my career is I started going to Al-Anon meetings, which are meetings for friends and family members of people who struggle with addiction. And I wasn't experiencing that in my life at that time, but I was working with a lot of people who would identify as addicts and I had to learn some boundaries and learn that my job is not to save people and all that. And so just being in those rooms and hearing the themes of those conversations was very helpful and those places are very welcoming. So that might be something you want to try out. Now, I don't like to say or think that I'm jaded or immune to hearing trauma and people's stories, but I have, I think over the years, developed a degree of armor to protect myself from feeling responsible for other people and fixing their issues. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I've heard it all. So like, I don't ever have feelings when I hear things. I still have feelings. I kind of had a decision where I could like look at the world and been like, wow, this world is so extremely messed up because of all of the horrible things I hear. I definitely could have gone down that road. I get the very icky saturated part of the world. And I think that there's so much goodness in the world too and I have to remind myself of that. And so that's one of the things that I do is because I am surrounded by a lot of the ick of the world, I have to also make sure that I find myself in places where there's a lot of joy and celebration as well. Because if that's all I see, then I'm gonna become jaded and just like resentful of the world and just, you know, I don't wanna have that kind of outlook on on the world at all. And I also wanna be able to show up and be with people in their pain. So all that to say, I still get frustrated and I get really sad sometimes. And I'm actually, if my clients are listening to this, I'm known to shed some tears and sessions with, with clients from time to time. I'm not feeling for them. I'm feeling with them in those moments. And so I allow myself to show up and be very present professionally. And also outside of my job, I have to make sure that I am showing up and, and getting to see the goodness of the world too. The other thing is I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So this, again, hasn't been the hardest battle of my career of like to take on people's emotions. The hardest battle being a seven is really allowing people to be sad and not trying to fix them. So my MO is to avoid pain and feelings. And I'm a very optimistic person. And that is super helpful sometimes, especially when it comes on to taking other people's pains, because I'm great at not doing that in one sense. And when I'm really unhealthy, just avoiding. But I have had to develop practices to keep my ability to sit with them and be with them in their stuff consistent and not just turn into that easy unhealthy avoidance where I just tried to like tie everything up with a bow. So I think where I really struggled in the like middle of my career is once I got over the initial like I'm going to save everybody it's not to put my feelings of discomfort of emotions onto other people so they have a space to move through it all and, and heal all of this to say this might not be what you need but I am offering my experience and how kind of I've moved through this and I know when I get stressed I also like to control more and when I can't control things I get more stressed and then the cycle continues going back to the enneagram when I'm in stress I move to the low side of a one and so that's the perfectionist and that part kicks in my work here is to learn More about not being in control, but more about not being in control and allowing people the space and allowing that to be okay for people to have their experiences and for me to have mine separately. And we are not attached in that. I think that often my super empathetic part comes on louder And this is an attempt to get me to pay more attention to that side of me that thinks that if I can control others' experiences, I will feel better and they will feel better and everything will be better. But that just doesn't work well. So a lot of what I have to do to to cope with this is simple self-care, you know. And after my most recent panic attack I had, I actually finally started consistently journaling every night. And this has helped me for so many reasons. And one of them is it is just nice to have somewhere to dump my stuff. And it's not just all brewing and moving inside of me because I mean, I have to write notes and keep notes and be organized in my job and and get it out that way. But that's a very clinical professional thing. And this is where I just get to write whatever the heck I want and just get it out without it sounding right or pretty or good or Whatever. I also am very adamant at moving my body consistently, but moving my body in a way that I actually enjoy and think is fun. So, this helps me move some of the junk I carry around and get it out. And I actually envision what things I want to release before I do this. And that's why intentionality is key for me when it comes to movement. If I notice myself worrying about calories or anything like that um, when I'm about to go work out or, or take a class or do something, I really have to check myself because. You will get out of or not get out of what you put in or what you don't put in to a movement practice. And I move to be kind to my body and to take care of my health, physical health, but I also do it for my mental health. That's one of the probably biggest reasons. And that's also why I pick the type of exercise and movement I pick. So the journaling has been a big thing. Moving my body with intentionality and moving my body with an idea of letting go of something has been really helpful. And then the last thing is making it obvious to take time for myself, making it a big deal to take time for myself often. There are days when I just don't have it in me. To be social or to hear anybody else talk after work <laughs> like i just don't and i had to learn to let that be okay and i had to really practice saying no and learn that no is not mean and no is not unkind and this is really hard but the option here for me was engage in something i don't want to do and then feel resentful and then more overwhelmed and then sit with that discomfort or sit with a little discomfort about setting a boundary and then get to actually enjoy my time and allow my own needs to be met. And then I don't feel overwhelmed and I can curate some joy there. I honestly think that last one is the most important. As someone who gets weighed down by other stuff, which I hear in in this question, you need time to recharge and reset and time to just experience yourself as a priority and where you're not in charge of in any capacity of maintaining other people and their feelings and their health and their safety. So these are all again, I hear myself saying this over and over a lot of this stuff I talk to you guys about is not radical. It's not crazy. It's not these big like, Oh my gosh, this changed my life in this huge firecracker way. But these things can change your life in a very subtle, sweet, still good way. And I always say especially in when I'm teaching cycling classes when we're doing these like little little movements that aren't these like big like oh my gosh like big beat drops or big exciting whatever I'm like it's the little things that end up really making the changes it's staying in these little things where there's not the drama around it you have to be more diligent it's the little things that become the big things and I so believe that so if you can just create a, a practice of having these little things they don't have to be the same little things that I'm doing but these little things that are consistent for you it could make a really big difference in just how you cope with all of the stuff that comes at you, because I assume you have a lot of stuff coming at you. So there's my long-winded answer to that second question. Thank you guys for being here today and tuning in and listening, tuning in as if we're on a radio. Are streaming services like radios? They're not. (laughs) I think it's time for me to go. Um, Thank you guys for being here. Um, And again, follow us at You Need Therapy Podcast and me at Defada. And if you feel so compelled, send us a review. We would love that. And I will talk to you guys again on Monday. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one.